All right. Well, hello and welcome back to the For Many People Strength podcast. I'm Jamie Nugabauer, joined by Matt Gourley, who is surviving and thriving in Qatar. Gourley, how are you doing, bud? You've been able to get some sleep? <laughs> uh, depends on the day. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, it's been some late nights and uh, some early mornings. The sleep schedule is not quite uh, adapted even still, but, uh, you know, it's lots of fun here. So the adrenaline's uh, keeping me going so far. That's awesome. Yeah, Gurley had uh, a couple of games that he was at yesterday, and uh, I had things going on too, so it was tough for us to rep- respond quickly to the to the Croatia game, but here we are. We'll talk a bit about it, but I think it's kind of all been hammered pretty hard by the world right so far, but we'll, we'll talk about it and then uh, look forward a little bit to uh, Morocco, who Canada will face tomorrow. But my first question for you, Gurley, is... How buzzing were you and the V's the first two minutes of that game against Croatia? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, that would be the earliest goal I think I've ever seen Canada score. I'd have to think about it, but just just the first thought now is, yeah, I think it was. It was just surreal to be that fast. And there was no time to even sort of settle in and think about, you know, oh, we did a goal and whatever, just like bang, it's one nil. I was like, oh my goodness. So, yeah, uh, everyone's going absolutely mental. And, uh, you know, you're just hoping to push on because we've seen enough teams at the tournament that have kind of gotten a goal and sat on it. And that certainly wasn't what I was hoping Canada would do. And obviously, uh, Croatia grew in the match pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, those first few minutes and really the, the, the first 20, 25 minutes up until basically that, uh, that offside goal that was called back by VAR, where that was sort of the, the first big warning sign for Croatia, but that whole span there was just, you know, a bit of dreamland for uh, being up, uh, being up one nil of the world cup, a real world-class team. Yeah. It was fun to watch. And I was sitting there and I decided not to go to OV's watch party because I was kind of in a hurry and just got there in time for kickoff, which is got home in home in time for kickoff, which is, phenomenal obviously because then i got to see it but then i got up and it was just like yeah guttural scream and in, in my home all by myself but uh there you go you know had to be done uh great uh, cross great play all around great cross by tejan perfectly timed header by alfonso davies he kind of chuckled in his interview i think yesterday when he said that i don't think i've scored too many goals with my head in my life but no uh, he, 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 he looked good doing it though didn't he, he got up high he got good run across the face and powered it downwards and not yeah yeah it was, it was perfectly as textbook for a header i was thinking that too you know it's not exactly something you think about as being in this locker but um if he can get up like that maybe he doesn't need to be hanging out by the top of the d on, on set piece duty he should maybe be getting in there getting getting in the mix as if he can get at the end of something yeah yeah i mean he's a, for that thing he's a freak athlete right first of all and, <laughs> yeah yeah and uh he's smart like he's obviously paying attention you know to to people at Bayern and you know late runs and and timing and getting up fast and getting up you know with the perfect timing I keep saying that but that's that's what happened it was it was timing and uh yeah absolutely I know I mean to me it's at a point with Alfonso where he could do anything and it wouldn't surprise me too much given on who he is on my way to yeah, on the way to Serbia, uh, with Cameroon, I was shared a bus with a, a Serbian who's living in London. He said, Alfonso Davies, he's mad from other planet. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's about right. 
Yeah, he's just he's just one of those one of those human beings that you're sure is not not sure is a human being, just the the athleticism. But yeah, as you said, you know, the Croatians gotta give them credit. They started they recognized quickly the way that Canada was was laid out, and much has been made of the midfield battle that obviously Canada lost horribly for a lot of this game. And, um, you know, when uh, really to me, and, and tell me what you think of this, but to me, the everybody has their opinion and, and Palmona pontificate what went wrong. But, you know, you have Steven Estacchio, who we don't know how fit he has been at all in this World Cup. Of course, he didn't play in the Japan friendly before the tournament. And, it looks a lot like some sort of quad or muscle thing or something. I'm not a doctor, but that's what it kind of looks like. And then you have Etiba Hutchinson, who's, you know, sure he's getting up on age, but to me it has more to do with, again, who knows how fit he is. He played one Turkish Cup game for Besiktas, and then he got on a plane to Qatar. So, and then it was, and then, and then it's, then in the middle of the park, it's 2v3 with these guys who are, kind of not healthy, not fit, against Luka Modric, Brozovic, and, you know, Kovacic. And that's a bad combat, a, ba- a, ba- a hard battle for anybody, but then you set your team up with those two guys in the middle versus those three, and you're asking for trouble. And obviously Canada, just like that game against the States in Florida years ago in the Nations League, we're just turning the ball over in soft areas, forcing, trying to force playing out of the back delicately instead of, you know, the occasional knock up the pitch to try to get out of some sort of pressure. And I think that's where they got in trouble over and over again. I don't know. what. How, how did you see the how it all went wrong? I mean, a, a few things. I mean, to start with, um, I mean, I wore my black and deep Hutchinson kit to the match, so um, nothing but love for Atiba Hutchinson. Absolutely. But I, I, I don't think he played two qualifiers in a row, did he? I mean, it, it was obviously a quick turnaround the qualifying cycle. Um, I didn't think he, he, at this stage, is capable of playing two matches in, in four days. I just don't think um, it's in his capabilities, and I thought it was unfortunate that he was put in that spot because it was a big day for him, and obviously he wants to, to, to show well. But I was I was surprised he started, and um, I think you know within half an hour you've got Atiba who looks like he's just chasing shadows, and Estacchio is laboring a little bit with, as you say, some sort of knock, and it looks like a muscular injury. I mean that's a tough ask if both of them are are fit and healthy. Um, so the fact that Atiba wasn't playing back to back qualifiers when he was playing regularly for Besiktas, but now that he's barely played all season, they asked him to do that in a World Cup match. I thought. He's really just setting up to fail. And, um, you know, John Herdman's done a, a brilliant job on multiple, multiple levels. But I think there's been a few decisions in the World Cup here that have been uh, um, pretty, pretty big misses. And that certainly is one of them. Um, I think um, you like having Laren out there because you know the dimension um, in the attack. And it's certainly, um, you know, it was, it was his, his good movement that got him open on the long ball from Borean that then was out we can for the goal and uh those are all great things but um the work that we saw Hoyle do in the first match i thought was really missing um sort of from those central areas just to be an extra number in the midfield and i thought that was a factor as well um and the fact that we haven't seen k or p yet is, is interesting because to me it speaks a little bit to the fact that 
um, Herdman maybe just doesn't feel like they're up to that level. And, and he, he could well be right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's wrong because obviously, um, you know, those are two players that, that give it everything, but they're are a little bit technically limited. And certainly K this season has not been in the best of form, though on the flip side of that, Piet has been in pretty good form for Montreal. Um, so that's when you put in, um, put in young Ismail Kone, which, I mean, Kone was fairly safe on the ball at least, but um, didn't do much to disrupt things and um, struggling a bit at times with the movement and all that. So um, it's a bit of an old left field idea and thought and probably beating a dead horse beyond beating a dead horse. But I mean, I just thought, you know, a Scott Arfield would have been a real nice piece to have available in that situation. Um you know, I think that would have just solidified everything in the middle and, you know, would have would have been a nice option to have. And whether that would have destroyed team unity or who knows what, I don't know. But I just, it's, it's hard enough to compete at a World Cup, never mind trying to do it without every possible option available. And I just thought that was a little bit unfortunate as well. Um, the other thing about the way the match played out... Um, and one of the nice things of qualifying that we talked about a fair bit was whether it was in a three or a four, they had that really nice structure with, with the two holding mids being kind of anchored and protecting the front, which you need because, you know, obviously Stephen Vittoria's legs aren't what they once were and it's not the Pacey's backline to begin with. Um, I think you really saw that because as um, Hutchinson and his stack, who got pulled around and tried to, to put pressure on the ball in spots, there's just so much space to attack. And just, you know, lots of numbers going at the back three. And uh, multiple times it turned out badly. But, um, yeah, just that that structure and that connectedness with the the, the two holding pivot, double pivot and the, the back line just wasn't really there on the day. And I think that really, at the end of the day, was the undoing. It just led to so many chances for Croatia. Aside that, it's not going to miss them. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, we're talking about Andre Kramaric, we're talking about Ivan, Ivan Perisic with time and space. I mean, you know, there are people people like to put teams into uh into into categories and say this is a counterattacking team, this is a, a ball possession team. And I think people probably put Croatia into the possession team category, but you know, you give that the soft turnovers to, you know, any kind of team with the quality like Croatia with, you know, guys like we talked about, obviously, Perisic and Kramaric and, uh, you know, even Sosa got forward a bunch. You know, Levaya was really, really lively and good in the middle. Like, you're going to give them, a, you know, they're going to you're going to have trouble. And, you know, I just think, yeah, it, it just there is a lot of things to this, I think. You mentioned it like it's just it wasn't uh, ideal in terms of, uh, you know, the where where a bunch of these Canadian players were heading into the World Cup. You talked about, uh, you know, you talked about Atiba barely playing. You talked about Laren. I mean, he's looked so, I don't know, like kind of lifeless to me, like in Bel the Belgian game when he came on too, like he looked pretty lifeless, too. And, um, you know, again, it, that is, uh, I mean, it's a bit of a criticism, I guess, but it's his first World Cup, A and B. Like, he hasn't been playing for Bruges, so it's hard to be sharp if you haven't been playing. Like, that's, you know, another element of it. And, you know, I think, again, like Kyle Aaron, you know, he, there's, 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 to me, there's just always been good, switched on, poacher, you know, clinical Kyle Aaron. And then there's been, uh, often you know listless and 
and not that he doesn't care. I'm not saying he doesn't care. He absolutely cares, but just, I don't know, ineffective, I guess, Kyle Aaron. And and I just think that he kind of goes back and forth between those, you know, quite often. And and I think we, again, we, we saw, kind of saw it. And I think, you know, John Herdman maybe saw the same thing and, and pulled him off, you know, after 46 minutes. So, yeah, there's sort of lots of frustration there, I suppose. But certainly, again, the Croatians did their jobs. They did their jobs really well. Um, and uh, and they punished Canada. And, and certainly there's an element where people are saying this is where Canada found out. You know, this is where, uh, you know, we all had, I think, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Gourley, I think we all kind of had a nightmare at some point leading up to this World Cup where a game like this happened. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I, of, I, I thought it could have been worse. I mean, I certainly, yes. you know, you saw what happened to uh, Costa Rica and you sort of think, you know, yeah. given the, the draw, like Belgium likes to score some goals. Croatia yeah. certainly could score some goals. Like that felt like it wasn't absolutely off the table um, mm-hmm. on the day. I mean, Borja made a couple of really nice saves, but if, if Miller doesn't basically fall over the midway line, probably finishes 3-1, which is... Mm-hmm. You know, not a terrible result. Four ones, not exactly embarrassing, but it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it wasn't great, but yeah, yeah, it's it was it was frustrating, but like not overly surprising. And John Herdman didn't come in to this World Cup as much as some might say that they wish. He he just won't coach to to just sort of survive, right? To just sort of hang on. He's not gonna line this team up like the Australians, you know, like no disrespect, huge respect, in fact, to the Australians for the way that they've handled themselves at this World Cup, or at least, you know, the way they handled themselves in their win against Tunisia. And uh, so far, again, today, it looked like they're handling themselves all right against Denmark, just bunker and sit back and wait and and and, and get tons of guys behind the ball and, and hold on for dear life and play a one four five or five four one whatever and and just hope that you get one chance and and that's just not what John Herdman's gonna do. He'd rather lose like this and then 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 win by by survival tactics because it's almost more about experience and it's more about um like what the world thinks of Canada and these players to John Herdman for this world cup than any kind of result. And obviously we want results, but I don't know. Is that, is that unfair of me to say that like results are, I don't know, a distant second for John Herdman in this world cup, almost the way it looks to I me. Mean, not a, not a distant second, but I, I mean, I think that that works two ways and I think he's probably right. Um, I mean, I had so many people who've told me after the match that, you know, Canada looked good against Belgium, but against Croatia, they were naive. And I thought, I mean, kind of, but you the look The line at, between those can be very... Yeah. And, uh, but to look at the way, you know, Uruguay set out against Portugal or the way Iran set out yesterday against the U.S., um, Wales, the way they started against, you know, both the U.S. And, and Iran to some extent, you know, they're just playing... Even England against the US were just kind of hoping to get a draw and basically see them through and, you know, really pragmatic. And I'm like, is that what you want? Do you want to go to the World Cup and just see if you can muddle your way to a draw or, or try and hang on for dear life and see if you can, can nick one and get a 1 0 win? And, you know, if it works out, we get it for Costa Rica, basically one shot after being on the back foot all match and then they get a win. So great. But, um, 
I don't know. I'd rather, I, I would probably rather see the team play really well and, and go after people. Um, and I don't think sitting back and having the game be brought on to you is that effective anyway. I mean, a lot of those teams have sat back and really tried to limit damage and then see if they could kind of get something in the last half hour. I mean, the Swiss did that against Brazil. So does Serbia. I mean, obviously Brazil's tough, but um, it hasn't worked for anybody really. Um, and even teams that sort of take that lead that sit back, that hasn't worked out so well either. So I think the teams that have been adventurous and played attacking football, I think they've been the more effective teams. So I think, um, I think it works. I think you want to play that way. And I think it helps be more effective to play that way. Now there's a time we need to set up shop certainly, but um, it's, when you score on the 68th second or whatever it was, you know, you got to keep attacking. You can't just sit there and go, okay, we've got our goal. Now we're going to defend for 98 or 89 minutes. Well, it'll probably be 98 minutes at a time. But, um, you know, I just don't think that's going to work. Yeah. You know, there's, there's different ways to look at it. Like in the end, you know, we, you know, you've been around, you know, sports, I've been around sports long enough to know that, uh, you know, there's a decent amount of coaching that is, um, you know, let's, this is what I think is the best way to go about it. And no coach is going to sit there and guarantee that it's going to work out. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you lay it out the best you can and you hope the players deliver it for you. And it's, you know, I think, and uh, just, I just think too much, too much uh, has been too much uh, blame definitely has been thrown at John Herdman in the last couple of days. Um, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I love him, and I'm not going to like to death uh, for for what happened against Croatia. I was miserable after the Croatia game. I'm sure they were too. Uh, and, but I, you know, I'm I'm grateful to him for what he's done to this program for sure. That's first of all, and and second of all, like I just think the players weren't weren't you know up to it. And, you know, again, he deserves blame for putting players that weren't up to it for whatever reasons on the day and, and laying them out in a naive maybe way and and everything, certainly. But, you know, a lot of times also it's on the players to go and, and figure things out, and they didn't either. So, I don't know. Is that also unfair? No. I mean, I think, I think you know, you know, changing tax and, and – putting Hutchinson out there when you probably shouldn't have is a mistake. And obviously his comments, I think you don't, it would acknowledge himself were obviously a mistake and certainly was a big motivation for Croatia who, who shouldn't need a motivation anyway, but they, you know, I don't know. I'm sure the cameras didn't catch it, but after the first goal, multiple Croatian players ran into the Canadian tech player had to scream in Herdman's face. Um, mm. They were really, really um, up for this. And I mean, the whole, side issue with Borean and the, the uh, you know, mm -hmm. the, the abuse he suffered and the, 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 the things said to his family and the texts and all that stuff. That was always in play anyway, right? So I knew there's going to be a lot of yeah. subtext there, a big context, you know, obviously a controversial figure and controversial history, both Borean's hometown and then um, where he's from and, and uh, yeah. with with playing Croatia. So to, to, to sort of, I don't know, egg them on, just to fuel the Croatian fire when it's already going to be contentious. It seems so ill-advised, but um, yeah. I, but, but I, you know, I think at the end of the day, 
Um, you know, fit or not, Estacchio isn't playing his best soccer. You talked about Laren being a little bit ineffective, but Jonathan David just got yeah. manhandled by Gvardio all match. And he, he's good. Eh? Another, well. another day he gets some calls there, right? Because Gvardio's being really physical. But um, if you're not getting calls, you got to figure something else out. You need a plan B because if you're if you're just going to get knocked over and fall over, uh, it's not going to work. And you know, a lot of players who don't normally make careless giveaways make careless giveaways. I've never seen Kamal Miller kind of flub a ball and fall over like he did in the fourth goal. It just isn't things that generally happen. So yeah. um, on the day, the team didn't play particularly well. And if you don't absolutely bring your A game against a side like that, you're going to lose. Um, so regardless of comments, regardless of who the starting 11 was, like, I, you know, there just were too many guys that were not at their best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think, I think it, it wouldn't have mattered if we started a, a, a fitter, more prepared 11 to go 90 minutes. And I don't think it would have mattered if Herb had never said anything. I think it still would have been a, a rough day given how the team performed. But, mm. you know, we, we, we move forward here because there's, uh, there's still one match to play and still more history to be made, hopefully. So, yeah. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, just a quick point on the, 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 the treatment that Borean got. Don't excuse it at all because it's it was a it's appalling and it's awful and and just sort of you know basically goes back to you know all the sort of civil war type stuff going like that happened in Yugoslavia in the nineties and why Borian left uh, his home in the first place and and that's all personal but I think I also think Borian's just used to that kind of thing like they don't you don't you know there's no I don't know what to say. There, there's there there aren't really rules. I think uh, when it comes to football in Yugoslavia, in terms of, yeah, you know, I, I'm sure he's like, heard everything, right? Like, yeah, I mean, that's he, my point. Yeah, he's. I'm sure he's he, used to all sorts of things playing where he does, right? Like, and and he so, sort of said, you know, they're they're children. They don't even know what it was like. They weren't there when it was happening, so they don't know. They can't speak or something is what he said, which yeah. is is pretty big of them but i mean it was it was pretty awful and you know it the croatians were not um were not gracious in victory either uh, mm-hmm. around the stadium i could say that much as well but mm-hmm. um but you know i mean everything's been a pretty good spirit around here so i can't say that it, i mean it certainly wasn't contentious and there was there was a number of serbians that came out to support um probably borean more than canada but certainly both and uh, you know considering that i think things went you know there was no incidents or anything around the stadium and you know, it was everything was a pretty good spirit. You know, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we heard a fair bit after the match, but yeah, as, sure. as it is, but yeah, so, um, you know, I, I felt from for Milan because that's a big match for him, and it's uh, yeah. it's it's tough, especially for his family. He came in, he was the right the match, he came straight up into the stands and uh, went and talked to his son and held his son and gave him a hug, and they had a, they had a moment together, and some of the other players followed, but. You know, I think his son was fairly upset as well. Um, I can't say that for certain because he couldn't see his face. But you know, Milan looked to be consoling him a little bit. So I mean, it was a, it's a tough day, right? It's a, it's a tough thing to go through. And you know, some of the things that were being, being yelled were pretty, uh, pretty horrible. And I mean, the, the the X factor for me in this whole thing is, you know, I've they're confiscating sunscreen to fishermen's friends, and these guys are smuggling in, you know, <laughs> flags making fun of ethnic cleansing and stuff it's just i don't know it's i know fifa's investigating and i'm sure there'll be a, a nice little fine and croatia will carry on with their lives without too much uh 
yeah, lost no. sleep. So it's, it's yeah. you know, it's all well and good that they show ads about uh, tolerance and, and no discrimination and everything for every match going on and on with all these things, but they, you know, they don't actually do anything about it. So yeah. as we know, that's kind of the FIFA way. All lip service, no action. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, there you go. And as far as I'm concerned, Milan Borian is a saint and <laughs> should be, should if Canada had I don't know, any kind of sway over knighthood, like I don't know, he should be knighted, like he's Order of Canada, I don't know. Like he was he's so instrumental in so many ways with his team being here. And uh, I've got just days and days for Milan Borian and uh yeah, just super happy that he was our keeper for this uh, cycle. But, uh, yeah, there you go. So, you know, they score their first ever goal uh, in a World Cup. They have their first ever lead, obviously, as a result in a World Cup. So, you know, there's they're all steps forward. And right after the game and last the day after, I was really grumpy. But I've, you know, the sun has come out and uh, we've moved on. And, you know, I think Canada will, too, against that Morocco tomorrow. And, you know, I got to ask, like, you know, again, we've all, you both and you and I have covered sports uh, as journalists, uh, and I'm sure it's maybe different as, you know, high, high level, high level athletes go. But yeah, I mean, team went, you know, Canada as a team, technically nothing to play for in terms of the standings. You know, how difficult do you think Canada will find it to, get up to the same level of intensity as Morocco, you know, as much as they're saying all the right things, do you see that as any sort of issue or no? I think it might be a bit of an issue, but um, that's kind of where I hope that there's a couple new faces in, in the, in the starting 11, not too many. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, let everyone play not U8 soccer. You know, you need pretty much the, the, the best 11, but if, uh, you know, if Mark Anthony case starts, or if Osorio starts from the out, which he hasn't done yet, you know, I think that that'll give them some motivation and some energy to show what they can do and show what they can get their chance at the World Cup. And I'd love to see Weatherspoon get out there, give him half an hour. He'll play with a ton of energy and heart. And I think um, just having some of those guys slot in, you know, Piet as well probably deserves a, an opportunity to play. And I think if you get those guys on the pitch, um, I mean, particularly since we don't know if Estacchio can play or not, it sounds like he, he's trending towards maybe being able to start, but I don't expect him to play um, maybe more than an hour. And I have to think that a team is probably not starting, but hopefully he should come off the bench uh, mm-hmm. for a, a cameo to, to finish what should, uh, you know, I have to assume will be his last cap in this sort of testimonial situation here um, before the end of the year. Um that would be great, but you know, I, I don't think you change the back three. I think you probably start David. Obviously, Davies and Buchanan need to be out there. Um, so I don't think there's a big changes, but I think adding those those couple of extra players in there hopefully will add a little bit more life and energy. And um, yeah, I think I think once they get in the fight, though, I mean, you know, if Richie Larea is out there, if Tejon's out there, if Kamal Miller, you know, it doesn't take much to get those guys real into them, you know the first mm-hmm. tackle or whatever, those guys will be right into it. So mm-hmm. um, I, as long as they don't start too slowly, I think they'll, they'll, they'll get into it pretty, pretty well. You know, the atmosphere should be pretty good. At the end of the day, you're playing in a world cup match. Something you dreamed of your whole life. And I know there's not a lot on the line, but I think um, they should be pretty fired up. I know the Moroccans will have a really good, good uh, contingent out there and the atmosphere should be really lively. Um, I'm hoping the Canadians are still uh, pretty enthused. Uh, you know, I, I'm, 
as much as we're talking about the players finding motivation, I hope the supporters can find the motivation on the day as well, because it's going to be a little bit trickier. I mean, obviously, the dreams were big at the start of the Belgium match. Everyone was fired up, and the atmosphere was great, but it's a little harder in a match like this. But at the same time, um, it's sort of the end of the journey. It's been a great uh, mm -hmm. journey through um, qualifying and, and being here. And you know, we started qualifying, and I'd be able to go to matches, and I'd play home matches in another country. So, you know, let's, let's yeah. celebrate this group in this World Cup. And, um, you know, as we kind of alluded to a little bit, uh, could be the last cap for a few guys. I, I guess we'll see what happens if they decide to stick around for the Nations League matches. Or, um, you know, I think, I think a number of guys will take the summer off and we won't see them at the Gold Cup because that's coming up real fast. And I would think, given the weird season we're having, and some guys will probably have a pretty busy domestic year and or starting new clubs, depending uh, it might be a bit of a new look side for the Gold Cup. So, um, you know, some, some players like a Vittoria or even, you know, Milan Borean that's getting up there. And he, if he doesn't play in the Gold Cup, then you're kind of wondering when his, if he, how much his involvement will be or, you know, he's, he's a keeper, so they tend to play longer. So mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to see kind of who, whose days are numbered after this. But, uh, uh, you know, I think that's another factor that will help motivate uh, everyone, hopefully, but also those players particularly wanting to, to if this is the end of it, I think some of them might know that themselves if they haven't said it publicly to, to, to finish off strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you made you made a lot of great points there, but it might be the last dance for some of those guys. So that's a great, that's a great call. And it's also a great call. Like you and I started this podcast and I don't even know when we started it. And, uh, <laughs> it, you know, I guess it was the top start of the Octo, but I mean, obviously we were paying attention through, you know, Aruba and, uh, you know, the Cayman Islands and the U S Virgin Islands and, and Bermuda and, uh, yeah, uh, you know, through Suriname and Haiti and man, well, just, just the crazy, uh, one of the craziest sports journeys, like ever, if you think about it, just where they started from and ending up at the world cup. Like, I think that's just crazy and amazing, but, uh, yeah, I mean, back to the, back to the present, you know, gotta give a quick, you mentioned, you know, who might start there. And I think, I think it's a no brainer to that. John Osorio plays a big role against Morocco. I mean, I think one of the few guys that really showed well against Croatia was Osorio. And, you know, I mentioned talking about him, you know, before, you know, sort of previewing him for the World Cup. I thought, you know, there he's one of those guys that he, he understands the game so well. He knows where to where to go and impact the game. And, you know, if he if he's to sit back and and be a holding guy and, and make passes, you know, he can do that. And if he, you know, he's the guy that's the, the runner into the box, he like loves to do that. Like he loves to be scoring goals and, and be part of, be part of offense. That's sort of, I think what he loves to do, but um, you know, he can, he can kind of do it all because he's so smart. I think uh, he was the, maybe the one Canadian to me that stood out as, as really outstanding against Croatia, especially as somebody who was a sub, um, and you talked about Kone coming on. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I think John Herdman thinks of Piet and maybe even Kay as like guys we'll put on if we're holding the lead. And then Kone is a guy and, and Osorio is a guy that he thinks can impact the game if we don't have the lead or if we need a goal. Um, you know, that's sort of the profile. I think that he was kind of looking at guys. So be interesting to see what the midfield looks like. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know for sure that it's going to be 
either Atiba or Estacchio starting, you know, I just don't know, but um, it'll be interesting to see. But I think, I and I hope Jonathan Osario plays a big role for, for Canada. I wanted to quickly touch on uh, Morocco. You know, obviously they got that 2-0 win against Belgium. I wish Thibaut Courtois played as well uh, <laughs> against Canada as they did against Morocco because maybe we would have gotten a better result. Like, I know, like, easy for me to say, but that the Roman Roman Seis, uh, his goal on the free kick uh, shouldn't have gone in, probably the Besiktas uh, centre-back on a free kick there, the 73rd for Morocco, and and then the last one by, uh, I think, is Zakaria Bukhal. I mean, nothing really Courtois could do, but I don't know. It wasn't, wasn't a great performance uh, overall by the Belgians. Uh, Ziyech had a goal ruled out, obviously, by offside uh, by, by the great VAR earlier in the game, too. Just the Moroccans are, um, I don't know, based on the based on the way that, that this tournament uh, kind of has gone, like I think Croatia and Morocco are the teams that deserve to go through. I mean, obviously, that doesn't matter if you don't get the result. But, man, pretty impressive stuff for Morocco. Yeah, they've they've been unflappable. I really didn't know what to expect from them because they've changed so much. And, and not only have they brought in some really big name players with the managerial change, but they've brought in some some more role players too. And um, you know, they're, they're a team that has a lot of guys who, who kind of grew up in different different countries. You know, a lot of them are are not born in Morocco and that's in um, French, yeah. Yeah, so you kind of wonder <laughs> if that's gonna be a factor, if they're all gonna have a really good harmony and unity and they seem to they, they really connected they're really well coached and they've played really well collectively which you know i that was a question i had and they've answered that in spades and even even the last match losing bono and goal and having Munir come in um didn't miss a beat so um they seem really unflappable the one question i have about them going to the canada match uh you know you just beat belgium so obviously huge confidence and they, they it's such a big match and they obviously need a result against canada but you know i wonder if there's going to be a little bit of not a letdown, but just be tough to keep the energy levels up, particularly because obviously the the goalkeeper switch. But I think the start the outfield tandem in the same both matches, um, and I think the weaknesses that we perceived in their group is is sort of the set of the midfield where um, Amrabat's a pretty good holding midfielder, but he also um, isn't as mobile as some, and you know he has to cover a fair bit of ground at times, depending how they play, because they have their fullbacks get so far forward. Then they have uh, Unahi and uh, Amala, who are, are certainly not the two biggest names in the team, but um, just collectively they've been swarming people in the midfield and been so hard to play through and forcing turnover after turnover, and they just absolutely strangled uh, that Belgian midfield. And they did a very good job of the same thing as Croatia. I do think Croatia didn't play that well. And, uh, you know, Kovacic especially struggled in that match. But, you know, against Belgium, they just were all over them. And I thought they did a really good job. But can they keep up that same level of, uh, of, of energy and, and, and swarming? Because I think if, you, if you're able to actually pass through their numbers as they kind of clog up the middle, there's space to be had in different areas. But teams haven't been able to, f- to find it much yet. So um, Canada would be quick and clean on the ball. But if they, if they move the ball and play the way they did against Belgium, where they just were so quick and the movement was so good. Um, there might be some chances to generate some things against Morocco, but, uh, you know, obviously a huge match for Morocco, a uh, chance to advance out of the group for the first time since 86. So they're going to be pretty fired up. And uh, it's going to be an interesting match. And obviously tons to play for in the uh, the other match tomorrow. So, uh, you know, I think Belgium's a little bit, 
it sounds like a little bit of uh, discord in their change room. So uh, we'll see how they, they kind of respond. But Croatia's got to be feeling pretty good about themselves mm-hmm. after their result. But at the same time, they, you know, they still have lots to do as well. So uh, mm-hmm. if Croatia loses, they could be going home. Yeah, I mean, I kind of... Kind of, I like. I totally get the 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 matches being at the same time thing, but uh, <laughs> I I hate it too. Because like I I hate dual screens. Like I end up not really paying attention to either, or I have a struggle to pay attention to either if I have dual screens going on. Like I'm just not good at multitasking my focus like that. And um, but yeah, I would just I just love to dig in and focus hard on Croatia and Belgium against each other. Like those are two of the best squads in the world going at it. Um, but I can't watch it because Canada's playing at the same time in a game that's meaningless for Canada in the standings, but it's Canada, so I got to watch it. Stupid World Cup. Anyways, whatever. Well, we have a P- <laughs> we have a PVR on our TV in, in the, in the uh, apartment, so I'm really excited to be able to PVR the match tomorrow and yeah. watch it at some point. Some... Also... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I'd probably watch that at some ungodly hour. I don't know when that would be, but uh, yeah, I'll catch up to that one eventually, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm also not great at watching games when I already know the score and the result. Like, Yeah, know. no, it's definitely it's better when you don't know. So this this whole setup, like, I get it. The whole, like, why would I try if this or blah, 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 like, gets in. But, I don't know, frustrating stuff. Anyways, there you go. So Canada plays Morocco at 9 o'clock Saskatchewan time. Uh, tomorrow morning uh, watch it if you have any kind of sense of decency out there I'm just kidding but <laughs> watch it. Uh, and hopefully Canada can get their first ever uh, victory against a team that is way underrated in the world's understanding I think and uh, you know if there's one manager that's coming out of this tournament smelling like roses it is Walid Regragui. Sorry, I can't pronounce his name. The Moroccan manager has really turned some heads too. People were were, were all over John Herdman after the Belgium game. I think after the tournament, uh, Regragui or whatever is going to get a lot of uh, praise. He deserves it. Um, so you know, it should be it should be interesting. What uh, I guess just quickly, you know, what was your what was your sense? How, how did you enjoy the USA and uh, Iran? Because, you know, watching that, uh, again, you know, people just love to hammer Greg Berhalter. And I, I occasionally hammer Greg Berhalter, <laughs> too, if to be honest. Like, he seems like he's an easy guy to hammer, but the manager for the USA. But the Americans have been absolutely fantastic for the most part, with maybe an exception there of, of the second half against Wales and probably... Not not perfect against uh, Iran in the second half too, but what a game, eh? Yeah, um, it's it's been funny. Uh, uh to, to go back a bit to that Serbia Cameroon match was one that I you know I, I basically went to that match so I could go to Portugal Uruguay and say I went to two in the same day, and obviously Portugal Uruguay is the big marquee match, but that that Serbia Cameroon match was fantastic. It was one, probably the best match of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um. And so U.S. Iran was was tremendous. Um, you know, I, I've been to Argentina, Saudi, and I've been to Portugal, Uruguay, and I think the Iran U.S. atmosphere was the best one. Um, the U.S. fans have been excellent. They've been they've been numerous. They've been loud. They've been pretty pretty um, pretty involved the whole way. But the Iran fans fans were absolutely next level. They were so loud, and it was just absolutely deafening in there. 
before kickoff. I actually, my ears were ringing last night when I got home. I didn't notice it till I got inside and I was like, Oh, my ears are ringing. I'm not shocked, but it was, uh, it was probably as loud as I've ever heard uh, a stadium in my life. Uh, it was really loud. Um, but in terms of Burhalter, like I thought in the Wales match, you could feel pretty quickly that the U S um, kind of were, were controlling things and want to protect the lead, blah, blah, blah. And Wales kind of kicked it up a notch without a different level of intensity. And I didn't think the U S responded to that. And I thought they could have, could have adjusted quicker and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was curious if we might see something similar where they dominated the first half against Iran and then, you know, and again, Iran sat back. And then obviously Iran needs to do something. They're going to comment that they're very capable of, of creating some chances going forward. But I thought the U S did a better job of dealing with that. Um, I was very surprised to start Cameron Carter Vickers, um, especially since Zimmerman, Zimmerman was the sort of um, consistent piece in the back line. He was the one that hadn't been um, shuffling in and out. It was the question who's going to play with Zimmerman and all of a sudden he was playing well. But Carter Vickers played quite well, I thought, and that was a, yeah. a big shout, but I think a good shout. And there's been lots of questions about who's going to play center forward. And I thought Sargent played quite well yesterday as well. Um, yeah. Certainly better than anyone else has played up top so far in the tournament. So he's making some of those, those choices well. Um, a friend of mine did send me a, a, a video of, of the team coming back to the hotel, and they had a whole group of people working at the hotel and supporters are on the line cheering them. They're all yelling. And then at the end of the line is, uh, um, Christian Pulisic, who just got out of the hospital, and everyone ran over and mobbed Christian Pulisic, and they're all cheering and chanting. And Gio Reyna has got his headphones on and just walks past and goes straight to the elevator. And I thought, my lord, because mm-hmm. there's all this narrative about how upset Gio Reyna is, and is he hurt or is he not hurt, and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know what's going on there, but it feels like there's definitely some drama in the camp. And, uh, you know, that's maybe a bit of a knock on Burhalter because something's not quite right there by the looks of things. But, um, the other thing is they've really used their their midfield. I mean, everyone in like, that group has played a ton, but uh, Yunus Musa, I thought, was going to keel over before the, we hit the final whistle. He looked absolutely unable to even move. He was so exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, you know, Adams obviously put in a huge shift. They were at least able to get, to get McKinney out early, but they just were, weren't able or willing to to make some subs, I thought. Um that if that midfield hasn't recovered properly and aren't able to really go the way they need to, it could be a tough one against a, a team with the quality of, of the Netherlands. So uh, they've done well to get out of the group, but it's a big ask. And I, I definitely have questions. They've done a decent job, but um, they haven't generated a ton of chances. And um, as much as they've controlled good chunks of two of their, their wow, all three matches, really, they've, they've been in the ascendancy probably for all three, for the most part. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's going to be tough to see how they play against uh, against the Netherlands, and maybe maybe Berhalter has something up his sleeve. Uh, might see them play a little more on the counter. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Like they got to do something about Cody Gakpo because yeah, nobody's doing anything about Cody Gakpo, and uh, <laughs> boy oh boy, like they they haven't uh, they haven't faced a guy who's in the form of of Cody Gakpo in this tournament yet, so. You know that that'll be interesting. We can we can preview that uh, stuff uh, later. But uh, USA the Netherlands in the in the round of the knockout round there should be very interesting, and I look forward to watching it. But uh, you know, one more I guess thought then on on Canada and and moving forward. You know, obviously, uh, if you were to you know say, um, you know, 
to me, obviously, you know, what, how would you take this situation? Like, they got in, they got applauded, they played pretty well in one game, they got crushed in the other. You know, just like Vittoria said, Stephen Vittoria said in the media today, I think, like, I'd bite your hand off, you know, for that so many times over my life. Um, and, uh, yeah, absolutely. We talked last time about how we'll take moral victories and whatever and 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 look at the big picture eventually. But, uh, you know, the more that the days have gone since that Croatia game, you know, I've been able to, to calm down and, and look at that big picture again and, you know, wade through the the stuff coming out about Alfonso Davies and whether his celebrity's gotten too big and all that and stuff, which I think is just kind of grasping at straws and looking for clicks personally. Uh, but, uh, you know, there, there's so many things to dig in in the big picture. Um, but in in just in general, like my my level of um, uh, my level of gratitude towards all these players and to John Herman and his staff, like is so high. Uh, and and I'm sure you're the same, uh, Gurley, and all the V's should be at this in the same way. And um, you know, however they go out against Morocco, I know that they'll make us proud. You know, we're all proud of them. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to watch one more game in this cycle for this team yeah it's 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 sort of the the the, the epilogue to a, a great story and uh you hope it has a, a, a bit of a bow on it and uh, it's not the, the the happiest ending we hope for but it's certainly not a, a not happy ending and uh if they can pull off a win and even even a draw would be a nice something to, to mm-hmm. finish off the turn with but, but if they're able to pull off a win you can sort of go okay you know we we played really, really well, opened some eyes, weren't able to get the result. And then we, you know, came out and, and didn't sit back and went after Croatia and it didn't work out for us on the day. And then we finished off against a really hungry team and, you know, got a win. I think that would be um, mm-hmm. not not what we, you know, supporters and the team set out hoping for, but certainly um, not a huge, um, not, not a bad tournament. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot to build on there, and there's a lot of to take pride in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I hope uh, I hope bare minimum a, a good performance tomorrow, and um, you know, a, a big effort, to the, and and the players put their best foot forward, and hope that uh, mm-hmm. that's enough to yield a, a positive result. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, move the move the program forward. The program had made a World Cup and and didn't score this tournament. Uh, they got they they scored a goal and get a result and uh, that would certainly move things forward and uh, very you know again as i said excited again to not to watch another canada game at a world cup even if it uh, kind of has lost a tiny bit of luster for me but there you go away she goes well i think we've we've hammered it uh you know there's so much so much so many storylines so many things to say and talk about uh, you know in 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 canada specifically the whole tournament and uh, i'm sure we'll do a bunch of that moving forward but for now we'll leave it at that uh Gurley, get some rest thanks for again for your time i've got a hot date with Lionel messi so no rest for me i'm uh okay. i'm heading out the door to go see uh made a shipping containers so should be fun i uh messi's playing for his life so uh it's gonna be a big match yeah that's right argentina could uh could be done by the could time. Could be done. I, I don't think it will be go that way, but you just never know. Yeah, like if Mexico and Poland win, right? Like that's the scenario, I think. But, I, I think, yeah, I think a Mexico win and even a Poland draw might 
depending on the goal differential. Anyway, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, yeah, it should be interesting. But uh, yeah, thanks, Gurley, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Bye.